I'd like to read this evening from a verse that I regularly come back to at New Year, really. I know New Year's eight days ago. It's from Isaiah and from verse 48, chapter 48, verses 16 and 17. I don't know, um, uh, Chris, is it possible to have the whole thing on one screen? Just leave those two verses up for the message. 16 to 17. It can be slightly smaller, but there we go. I'm going to read it once and then invite you to join and read it with me. Come near and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At that time it happens, I am there. And now the Sovereign Lord has sent me, endowed me with his Spirit. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. He directs you in the way you should go. Let's read it together. Come near and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there. Now the sovereign Lord has sent me and endowed me with his spirit. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If I'm going to ask some questions through the sermon and uh, leave some pause for you to think about it for yourselves and maybe voice an opinion. <gasps> My eye, catch your eye. <laughs> I come back to this verse again and again. It's, it's really good at the threshold of the year for me and I hope for us. To remind it, it quick covers and contains so much of, of truth, of the essence of the journey that we're on, the goodness of God. It's uh, from the prophet Isaiah. Well, it's written, recorded in Isaiah the prophet, but I believe it to be from God. It's not just uh, the, the musings of an old man or a young man, however old Isaiah was. And it's very clearly the invitation of God. I love this about God. It's a beckoning word. It's, it's a warm word. I, I wonder when you read it, did you feel invited, encouraged, maybe challenged, stirred? Or did you feel oppressed, browbeaten, fearful, backing off? Pause for thought. It's an easiest question. But the gospel that we believe, the gospel that we've received, the gospel that we are called to live in, the gospel that we are called to give out, to share, to tell, to represent, is good. God is always saying, come near to me and listen. Come near. Come near to me and listen to this. God is good in what he says. God is good in what he reveals. God is always with the invitation, come, come. You're welcome, come. I'm waiting, come and listen. So very first in the outset of the, of the new year, I remind myself as, as I do a little bit of that stock take of that review of the year of look back and think, gulp, that was a bit of a mistake and best let, leave that in the drawer of 2016. And some things that I'm celebrating, but that reminder as I journey into the new year that there's, there's always the onward invitation. 
come on, child. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter, if it applies to you as a female. The Lord calls to us. And undoubtedly, it's at the heart of the gospel that the Lord invites people to come. Even at Christmas in the readings that we've, we've just read uh, two weeks ago in our carol service when all this was lit up and candly and packed and uh, even the front rows were full. Hey! Well done, Phil. Phil and Hermie. At the heart of that Christmas message, when God comes amongst us, there is that, that still that come, come and see. Come and see what God is doing. Come, come and see he's doing something. Do you remember that? Who, who got the invitation to come? The shepherds. The shepherds on the fields watching their flocks by night, accosted by the heavenly throng and, uh, and said, go and, let's go and see. Let's, let's draw near to what has been announced. And the others who came, and it's, it's been in the, the church calendar, the Epiphany, which is the arrival of the wise men, the kings, uh, they were drawn from ever such a long way away to come, to come and worship, to come and see face to face, to meet. Even, I mean, maybe up to two years old, we're not sure how old Jesus was when the Magi arrived. Still in the counting when parents do it, it's 24 months old. You know, they, they start doing years after two, but, you know, it's always months up to that point. Even to gaze upon the Son of God, months old. Come. I, uh, I heard someone reflecting on the wise men and um, just commenting on those kind of crazy gifts that they brought. I mean, they were meaningful, and I don't want to undermine the meaning of that. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And, um, you know, they came. Someone posed the question, what if the three wise men were women? Have you heard this? They would have asked direction, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, brought practical gifts, and there would have been peace on earth. <laughs> Was that an amen? <laughs> I like that. It made, made me chuckle. What stops us drawing near For me, that's, that's always the challenge on the new year as well, as I look back with some regrets, some missed opportunities, thinking, did I grow in 20, 2016? Was it a year that I broke barriers in myself and in the kingdom for the Lord? Was it a year where ground was taken? Because sometimes regret makes us draw back. What stops us drawing near to God? And this is rhetorical and thoughtful and hopefully engaging. What stops us drawing near to him? Would anyone like to volunteer an idea? Fear. Yeah. Fear of what? That you're not worthy to come to God or that you'll try hard and miss the mark and God will like be, oh, escape that Martin. <laughs> Fear of what? Getting it wrong. Okay. Who would agree with that? Who would, I mean, don't put your hands up. It's personal. But 
Well, we can do. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Let's get you together and pray. Fear. What else stops us? Busyness. Stress. Disobedience. Self-reliance. Yeah, I, I don't need to. I'm on my own in this. I think sometimes we think that we're not welcome, but we are. The God who never lies, the God who is always trustworthy and true, invites, come, 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 come near and listen. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, that's the action that he involves himself in us, he redeems us. He buys us out of slavery, lets us become children of God. I think sometimes uh, fear and, and all those things, sometimes we're caught up with, with, does he really forgive? Maybe he forgave at the turn of, of our salvation when we, we first put our trust in Jesus. But, but now we're kind of into the life of living it and, uh, and of the struggle of working hard and, and we know that we, we let him down. I came across a really wonderful story that impacted me quite a lot, that speaks so much of how God forgives. It was about a, a father, and uh, you probably, I hope you haven't heard this story before, because I'm telling it for new. It's about a dad who's, um, who's uh, really thoughtful, and uh, he's, I think he's probably in his mid-twenties, and he has his daughter, the daughter is born to him, a beautiful baby girl, and he's like holding the the baby daughter, and he's looking into this little bundle of, uh, of life and the potential, and, and he's, you know, he's kind of got that fatherly. But it's not, um, it's not kind of uh, all saccharine and just like Hollywood, because he knows that this is the daughter that's going to grow up and be not all of sweetness and light. I mean, none of the daughters here clearly would match in this. But as he took this daughter, he, he had this impression from God that was really important, and so he you know, passed the daughter back to wife, didn't leave, leave the baby out, you know, anyway, unintended, uh, and got a piece of paper and wrote on it these words and felt that he had to write these words, put it inside a jam jar and bury the jar in the garden. And the words that he was impa impacted to write were these. When you've learned to drive and you crash the car, I forgive you because I love you. When you've learned to drive your car and you crash it, I forgive you because I love you. So he wrote it down, buried it in the garden. Lo and behold, 17, 18 years later, it came to pass, biblical language. The daughter learned to drive Crashed, crashed the car, and she was horrified, mortified, thought, oh, Dad's going to kill me, <laughs> you know, because Dad had told her to drive safely and make sure you don't speed and do anything stupid. Got home, and Dad said, I want you to go and dig up in the garden. Remembered where the spot was, clearly. <laughs> that would be awkward, wouldn't it? <laughs> Took the whole garden out. <laughs> Got the jam jar, and she read it. I forgive you. 
when you crash the car, because I love you. And it really struck me, because so often we, we draw back from God because we think he's not for us, that his favor has evaporated, or we've outgrown him. And I really liked that, that story because it encapsulated for me, as I was just thinking about it and dwelling upon it, how much it speaks of the cross and the wonder of the God who rescues us, who redeems us, who gave his life for us, who said, on the cross, as we have the cross above us, I forgive you. And he wrote it, plain and simple, because I love you. And so, when the daughter grew up, years later, at that moment when the error had occurred, she could fall back upon that moment and know that dad had already decided, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. And I have written it and declared it because I love you. How much more for us as Christians, as we see it written as Jesus dies, and as he is buried in the ground in the tomb, once and for all, for all sin. 2,000 and, well, my maths isn't up to it, but a long time ago, many more than 17, as he died in, in Jerusalem, outside Jerusalem. I forgive you, the way is open. That's so much of the foundation, so much of the reminder, as we hear these words, come near and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there. He is here. He is close by. 2017, to each one of us. And now the sovereign Lord has sent me with his spirit. This is what the Lord says. The invitation to come, just as the shepherds, just as the wise men, just as countless individuals, men and women, young and old, come again and again to the Lord, not just the first time to be born again, but again and again to draw near to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Come. Come, come again in this new year. Come, why to listen first and foremost? To listen to him. Come and listen, come near me. Come into the presence of, come close by. Not stand at a distance, not stand on the outside of the party thinking that if the bouncers find me, I'll be chased out. What am I trying to do pretending to be here? Come near me. The invitation to come near him and listen. Listen to him. How do you listen to God? I'll ask for some responses in a minute. How do you listen to God? Any suggestions? Be still. Be still. I think there's an, there's an attention in listening. Um, we can hear lots of things. You can hear lots of things now. You're hearing the fan of the projector, but you're filtering it out. Even the clock is ticking, but you 
can't quite hear it, but you're, you're filtering it out. You're now listening for it, aren't you? That TikTok. See, you're listening. There's an, there's an intentionality about hearing that moves into listen. I'm always reminded at the start of the new year that the call of God is, is the invitation. The way is open. The way is plain. The invitation, he longs for us to come and he's close by. I am there. Not to, to stay in the shadows. He longs for us. But then listen. Listen to his words. Listening involves stopping. Listening involves taking time. Listening involves intentionality. Listening involves kind of like of actually saying, yeah, I will listen now. Sometimes, obviously, that's through reading the word. We're listening to the scriptures tonight. We encourage each other to read the Bible regularly, whether it's through an app or through a reading plan or to ask someone who's a Christian, how do you do this? But in reading, in listening to wise people, even, uh, I'm hoping, listening to the message of sermons week by week. That's uh, maybe a dream that we think of as preachers, but... Uh, I joke, of praying, of intentionality, of coming near and listening to him. That it is, there's no kind of easy answer to this, but it's a birthright, an inheritance, and a promise for every disciple. I remember being at New Wine a few years ago, and uh, I was with my godson, Isaac. He, he always loves it when I mention him in sermons. He goes, what did you tell them? Was it awful? I was going, no. And uh, he'd missed a seminar for his youth thing about how to hear the voice of God because he was sleeping and he was boring. And his parents told him off and said, you should be there. What are you doing lazing about in your sleeping bag? So I said, it's all right. Um, we, it's great having a godfather who's a vicar, isn't it, as he thinks. <laughs> Let's get the Bible out. Oh, all right. So we got the Bible out and we sat in my tent with some sweets and um, a little reward for him. And uh, I started to just to explain to him, and I, I, part of the passage I went to is John 10. And in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. And I explained it, and I talked about it, and I said, do you, do you, are you a sheep of God? And he kind of thought some bizarre question. I said, do you trust Jesus? Yes, he said. He was about 14 at the time, 13. And um, I said, do you know, it's... And he said, it's just for those mature Christians. It's like for you, you like leaders of churches who get to hear the voice of God. And where does it say that here? My sheep know my voice. They hear me when I call. And you could see the penny drop a little bit. And the real challenge of, the, of that was I then said, let's go out and pray for people and listen to God and, and speak prophetically. And he was like, oh, I can't do that. So I said, let's go and do it. And then we went out and I went to the first person. Were you there, Kate? You were there when you... And I suddenly thought, well, what have I done? I thought, what happens if God doesn't like, say anything? <laughs> like, I'm just like, I was like, Lord. And we, he did speak. And my godson was like, yeah, God does speak, doesn't he? I said, he does. And he speaks to you. The challenge is learning to listen. I encourage us all, and, and this myself included, to one of the challenges I've set myself in the last year is to seek to listen to God a little more closely. And he does speak. Listen. So come, listen, and know. Come, listen, and know. See, God doesn't just give us some babblings and some random collection of 
airy-fairy thoughts. That when God reveals himself, when God says, come, listen to this, he's saying, I've not spoken in secret. I've not given it to the sages and the prophets and the special and those who've spent a long time on top of a hill and forsaken all sorts of creature comforts and those who've really, 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 really screwed up their face and worked really, really hard and read some very, very deep theological books or those who just kind of seem to be naturally blessed with kind of spiritual ecstatic experiences, and I'm not like that. He says, I've not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there, and now the sovereign Lord has sent me with his spirit. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God. First and foremost, it's a call to him, a call to know him, to know him. I see your face, you're beautiful. We sing that at Soul Survivor and the kids are like, oh, it's weird, isn't it? And those that are in love with their boyfriend or girlfriend are going, you're beautiful. You're kind of like, they're singing our love song. But the more I get to know Jesus, he truly is amazing. The more I dwell on the I am the Lord your God, I mean, that would be a great verse for the year. I am the Lord your God. To work out in 365 days a different facet of what that means. I am the Lord your God. You're not just you, our, plural our. I am the Lord your God. He calls us to know him, the first and last, the beginning, the end, the creator and the redeemer, the living one, not made and fashioned of, uh, of stone or, or wood or with craftsman's skill, but the eternal I am, the redeemer, the Lord, the great shepherd, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping, eternally wonderful one. I could cue that priest you've probably all seen by uh, that guy that is American and says, do you know him? Have you heard? You know that one? Do you like my American accents, right? <laughs> Google it. Samuel Lockridge, I think it's called. He is our king. As I start in 2017, I'm reminded to come and listen and know him better. The one who knows me inside out. The one who says, you're welcome. The one who says, will you take the time to get to know me, because you'll never outgrow me like the shoes that you were bought as a child, or those jumper, that sort of trousers that you got on the Christmas binging has meant it's a little bit tight. You've not outgrown him. I love a description of the scriptures, uh, which applies to God in some way too. It talks about how this, uh, the scriptures are, or God is like a pool in which an elephant can swim and a child can wade. Think about it. We never outgrow him. He's not beyond. Of course, he's beyond all thinking and his ways aren't our ways. And, and we, we will continue in this journey year upon year upon year, worshipping and saying, yet I still love him, yet he's amazing, almighty one. Holy is he. But he's certainly not unknowable. He's certainly not distant. He's certainly not aloof. Nor playing quick and loose with us. Come. Come to know him.
I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. And here's where it becomes slightly more awkward. Because it's come, listen, know, and go. It's all very well becoming more acquainted with him and kind of, uh, there's always this challenge. He teaches us the way that is best for us to go. That as we, as we get to know him, as we walk with him, it means that we walk with him. That it means that the direction of life, the direction of travel, the direction of, of discipleship, the direction that we choose and follow means that if this is all going to plan, come, listen, know, we go with him. Because as we've discovered, it's better to be with him than without. And it means that if we want to stay with him, it means that the direction that he calls us, the direction that he personally says, I am there, we won't want to shift from. And that means that there are times in life of choices and decisions. There are times in life where, where we're faced with moral choices, ethical choices, choices of to trust and obey. There's no other way. There's choices about, do I want to choose him or the wide road? You see, he calls us to know him and journey with him, and it's about him journeying with him, not just a moral map. But the rub of the road is that as we journey with him, he calls us to follow him in life. Faithful obedience, step by step, day by day. Little decision by little decision, great big choices, of course. Teaches you what is best for you. Directs you in the way you should go. And says, step with me. Step with me into 2017. Step with me into the choices of GCSEs and A-levels of university courses. Step with me into the choice of what to buy, what not to buy. Step with me in the choice of who to associate with and who not to. Step with me. Step with me. Day by day, month by month, through this year. You see, this isn't just theoretical. This is oh so practical. This is living. This is living. So come, listen, know, and go. How do you go with him? Where is the Holy Spirit who is here? Who is here in the threshold of 2017 with you? Where is he saying now? I want you to come with me. To take time to listen, to get to know me. And as you know me, we're going to step out in a faithful step. In a step of discipleship. In a step of radical choice. Of saying... The pattern of yesterday need not define the pattern of today. And of course not tomorrow. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're children of God. To the last pause for the moment. Where's the go? I don't mean go walk out the door. I've got all these tunes going through my mind. <laughs> Where's the go? Where is it that in, you know, sometimes if I sometimes think to myself in my own prayer life and when I'm talking with people, I ask the question, where's God asking for a choice? Where is it that God's at work in your life? And sometimes people go, I don't know. It's actually we're not listening to him. We don't know him. Because in every step of the moment of life, there's always a choice to say, where is the path that he's directing us on? Where is it that I, gosh, this is a step of faith. This is a risk. This is a challenge. 
I want to go with the Lord and not get left behind. I don't want to part company. Where's the goat? For Isaiah, this was personal, but he declared it and spoke it for the nation. It was a people in a time of turmoil, the Babylonians, of opposing powers, of the rise and fall of superpowers, of military conquest, of Israel being sandwiched and squashed and harassed, and thinking, where's God in the panoply of this modern life? It seems that God is being marginalized. True faith is being pushed aside. And the powers of this world and the ideologies of different governments and leaders who seemed to be trustworthy or not. Where is he? I just remind us that, yes, this is personal piety, personal devotion. But it translates to our worldview as well. In 12 days, President Trump and more elections in Europe and a nation with the highest state of alertness for terrorism and a society in Britain which will sack Christians who seek to live their faith out and a culture that says, oh, don't bother with that Jesus stuff. Be young and free and fulfill all your desires. Spend, spend, spend. Let's read this one last time. Come near me and listen to this. From the first announcement, I have not spoken in secret. At the time it happens, I am there. And now the sovereign Lord has sent me, endowed with his spirit. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. Amen. Let's pray together.